Hello, adventurers, and welcome to episode 10 of the World of Azuria podcast. My name is Beth Ball, and I'm the author of the Age of Azuria epic fantasy series, which we'll be exploring in this show. In some episodes, we'll be swept away into the high fantasy world of Azuria as I read chapters from the novels and stories. In others, we'll dive into some of the lore behind Azuria, and I'll answer your questions about the world, characters, and more. If you enjoy high fantasy worlds, immersive settings, nature-based magic, and vivid characters, then this podcast is for you. For our first season, we're traveling through Aurora, the prequel novella for the Age of Azuria series. This episode brings us to our final chapter of Aurora, Chapter 9. Episode 11, which comes out on Friday, March 19th, will be a special bonus episode of my reflections on Aurora and why I chose this particular story as the introduction to the Age of Azuria series. Then on Tuesday, March 23rd, we will start season two of the World of Azuria podcast with Buried Heroes. But back to Aurora chapter nine. I'm actually not going to provide any summary for it here at the beginning, so you can be as immersed in the novella's conclusion as possible. So, in that case, let's start our adventure. The evening gloom clung to Riddell as she stalked through the hallways of the Aurora estate, her every sense alive to the slightest movement. The rooms and halls were empty. She had suspected as much. The noblewoman had sought refuge in the smaller house by the sea. Tall wildflowers whispered against her legs and arms as she ran, crouched low across the fields. Alessandra had been very particular. Rydell had to perform each part of her job perfectly, leaving no trace for her to receive a position equal to Lucian's. She didn't see the opportunity to enhance her allegiance to the Dark Goddess as a betrayal of her former master, though on this, she and the Lich were unlikely to see eye to eye. Lucian had motives and schemes of his own. He would have replaced her after this mission regardless of its success, or used her as an excuse for delaying the goddess's will, effectively painting a target on her back. No, she would take these matters into her own hands. Alessandra instructed her to leave no mark of her attack that could advance any form of divine intervention. The simplest method, Riddell concluded, was to kill everyone inside and torch the structures. The home had one cellar entrance and a front inside door. The blonde woman's bedroom windows opened onto the back of the house, surrounded by forest. She would have difficulty escaping through the woods, especially with a baby in hand. Riddell signaled the two assassins she'd procured in Serenia. The ideal balance between brutal and malleable was difficult to find, but she had been both persuasive and persistent in her efforts. Two poison darts, each expertly thrown, toppled the guards at the front door. The lush flower beds beside the house cushioned their fall. She and her aides would take care of them on the way out. No sense slowing progress for unconscious watchmen. Her assassins checked the windows along the front of the house. They signaled that no one moved inside. Riddell crouched beside the door and motioned for them to follow her. Moonlight bathed the home's interior, illuminating the receiving room and lounge. From what she'd seen in the orb, the noblewoman didn't keep a servant or guard active inside at night. Her assassins crept in behind her, and Riddell motioned for them to fan out across the front three rooms. They stuck to the umbral stretches between beams of moonlight, poised to follow her down the left-hand hallway. But something wasn't right. Riddell sniffed, unable to place the sharp, woody scent she'd caught on the air. It's Juniper, a low female voice spoke into the darkness. You cannot go any further. 
Riddell spun toward the lounge where the voice originated. A sepia-skinned face stepped out of the shadows. She lowered her head and smiled. The Nagata withdrew her curved blade from its sheath, the edge dripping with lovingly crafted poisons. Yvain, is it? He warned me about you. Riddell cursed inwardly. Lucian had claimed the Fae was unaware of their schemes. She should have suspected the falsehood. I see that you're putting the pieces together, Yvain observed, shaking her head. We should be cautious with whom we trust. The Fae shrugged. But let us return to the matter at hand. You must leave. Moonlight caught the dark blade in Riddell's hand. Killing the Fae would undoubtedly secure her position with Alessandra. The two she'd brought with her could dispatch the woman and child while she dealt with the more exotic prey. Navich, go, she commanded. The assassin didn't make a sound as he left the wall to her right. A light breeze brushed across Riddell's cheek as he ran past. Not you, either, Yvain said. She twirled the fingers of her left hand, opening them upward as though she were tossing powder into the sky. A faint whisper, like a dagger leaving its sheath. Dunk! Navich fell. He struck his head on the thick oak floors, and blood began to seep along the wood grains. A whoosh overhead and ropes of vines seized Navich and dragged him into the air. He hung upside down, tied to the rafters, blood dripping onto the floor. The druid raised an eyebrow. The warning I gave extends to the one who sent you. Leave. Now. You've no idea who sent me, Rizal growled. She lowered her body and sprinted at the fey woman. Yvain disappeared in a flash of mist, and Riddell slid to a stop. Atteret, now, Riddell ordered. Her second assassin cried out as, with a low groan, the floorboard swallowed him to the waist. He turned to her, eyes wide in panic. His face contorted in pain, and he opened his mouth to scream, but a vine whipped down from above and gagged him. Shh, Yvain whispered from the opposite corner. You'll wake the baby. Adirak gurgled and his eyes bulged before he slumped over, a blood-soaked leafy tendril sprouting from the back of his neck. In her training, Riddell had learned that when facing powerful spellcasters, one should eliminate them before they had a chance to make an attack. She hadn't taken this advice seriously at first. She'd grown up possessing magic and doubted that another's would be able to destroy her. On their second job together, she watched the only friend she'd carried over from childhood writhe and melt into little more than a puddle of black blood. Rather than asking her to surrender, the mage responsible asked if she might like to join him, or if she would prefer to die. This seemed like a deceptively simple question. What is the catch? she asked. I will live forever, he said. Most die in my employ, but while they live, they do so more gloriously than average mortals can begin to imagine. I am far from average. That's why I killed your friend, he smiled. Riddell agreed to work for Lucian from that day forward, learning from his deep stores of magic and knowledge how to expertly manipulate the world around her. She dove over one of the sofas for cover and tightened her grip on her poisoned blade. Riddell exhaled slowly, searching for Yvain's magical pulse. There. Riddell leapt up and flung the dagger at the druid. Yvain grunted as the blade struck true, just below her collarbone. The poison would do its work in a matter of moments. Navich's body tumbled to the floor, landing with a sharp crunch. Like death itself, Riddell thought, she slithered out of the room and darted into the hallway.
The wind hissed through the trees outside, and waves crashed as the tide began its slow creep toward the shore. A board creaked behind her. How had Yvain withstood the poison? Riddell whirled around and threw another dagger. It skimmed past the druid's bare throat, missing by a hair's breadth. The lavender eyes flashed, and Yvain disappeared once more. Riddell turned and found her adversary between herself and her objective. I tire of this, Riddell snarled. We're nearly done. That maddening smile, and then Yvain clapped her hands together at her chest. A shout of thunder and an explosion of light burst from the fae. The force struck Riddell and shoved her backward down the hall. She screamed as the skin and hair burnt off her face, blisters immediately rippling over the raw flesh. Riddell sprang up and charged. The druid would pay. A concentrated white beam blazed forth from Yvain's hand. Riddell screamed as it punctured her abdomen as though she'd been impaled by a spear. She fell forward, and the beam held her aloft. Riddell raised her head, squinting at Yvain. Blood dribbled from the side of her lip. It sizzled as it struck the beam and evaporated. The druid's eyes glowed as she watched the life leak from Riddell's body. They remain under my protection, Yvain said. They will stay safe from harm. She twirled her wrist and pulled her fingers into a ball. The beam inside Riddell narrowed, focusing an array of light that sliced her body in half. Her charred remains fell to the floor. Yvain walked down the hall to Amélie's door. She eased it open, thankful she'd worded it with silence as well as a shield. Her own presence, let alone the invasion, would have been difficult to explain. The blonde noblewoman slept soundly, but the child stirred. Yvain tucked the sage-green blanket back around the baby's shoulders, hoping to resolve her distress. Large green eyes blinked up at her with a soft coo of curiosity. "'Hello, Elioth,' Yvain murmured. "'Sleep now.' She traced a line down the child's forehead and nose. "'Your time will come soon enough.' She wriggled her fingers through the air, and the conjured breeze gently rocked her back to sleep. Yvain crept over to Amelie's bureau and peeked inside the top drawer. Resting beside the silks and other fine fabrics sat a box she remembered helping to forge. Add silver to the inlay, she had suggested, for protection. Now Yvain whispered to the amulet nestled inside, serve her well. She cast her wards once more and stepped outside to greet the dawn. Thank you so much for joining me for today's adventure through Aurora in the world of Azuria. I really hope that you enjoyed this novella and I'm excited for us to get into season two and explore Buried Heroes. If you would like to find out more about me or my fiction, you can find me at bethballbooks.com. You can also find my books worldwide at your favorite bookstore or ask your local librarian to add them to the library catalog. To stay up to date with the world of Azuria and be the first to know about upcoming fiction projects, visit bethballbooks.com join. I would love for you to be a part of my reading community, The Story Enclave, and as a special thanks to you, for a limited time, you'll receive a free ebook copy of Aurora when you sign up. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at bethballauthor or on Twitter at groveguardian, or you can email me beth at bethballbooks.com. Today's episode is sponsored by the first novel in the Age of Azuria high fantasy series, Buried Heroes, available at bethballbooks.com shop or at your favorite bookseller. 
And um, I wanted to take a moment to tell you a little bit more about Buried Heroes because there the adventure continues. Aurora was only the beginning. You were right, your father's amulet is magical, just not in the way you thought. The stones echo as Eliath Amastasia drags her heels through the corridors of Io Keep, bidding farewell to the few inside the castle walls who have offered her moments of happiness. Despite her best efforts, Eliath can no longer resist the forced marriage her stepfather placed at the end of her path. A final transmigration stands between her and the slammed door. But destiny, and the amulet, have other plans for the half-elf. In a flash of light, Eliath appears amidst the piled snow and howling winds of Torg's Peak. The mountain's bitter heart holds an ancient secret, a warrior imprisoned long ago. Eliath alone can awaken him, but in so doing, she will reignite a war for the fate of Azuria. Across the infinite ocean, a pirate queen ravages the coast, searching for an ancient artifact, the key to her ambitions. The sea bids caution to Teodric, her newest captain, lest he fall to the admiral's raging whims as so many have done before. Further north, a druid conclave battles its patron city for survival. As wielders of natural magic, they have long been the victims of history. Genevieve flees to the depths of the forest, where a long-lost magic blossoms. Forces awaken across the world of Azuria, ancient enmities stirring that have remained stagnant for thousands of years. In Book 1 of the Age of Azuria series, Eliath, Teodric, and Genevieve must confront the first crashing wave in a rising tide of shadow. So that's a little taste from Buried Heroes. I'm so excited to get into the novel with you all. I absolutely love it. Um, so it is our sponsor for today's episode. It's also what we'll be working through in season two. If you enjoyed our time together today and would like to hear more stories set in Azuria, you can support the podcast at ko-fi.com slash bethball. That's K-O hyphen F-I dot com slash bethball. Happy travels, and I hope that we'll be adventuring together again soon. <laughs>